We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI, I, too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on geico.com you could save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Mm. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. Monday, December 21st. Nick Whalen here, as I always am, on Mondays with Derek Van Riper. Obviously, we're going to run through every game in Week 15. A lot going on in that slate. My Jags, down but not out. Your Green Bay Packers clinched a playoff berth. Uh, but first of all, 
You said you spent, uh, you did some, I think your exact words were you did some weird things this weekend. One of those things was making Hungarian butterhorn? Yeah, right. Hungarian butterhorns, plural. Horns. Uh, not uh, like butterhorn, like the lower horn that they'd refer to in Futurama. Um, but let, let's, let's start from the beginning. I mean, I went home Saturday and I had to get fitted for a bowling ball, which is, is fun. You know, it's a good experience. Where does one go to do that? To the bowling alley. There's a pro shop in one oh. of the bowling alleys near where my parents live, and there's a, a club pro there, a guy that's bowled for like 60 years that fits people properly for bowling balls. So I went to the best possible place in the world. A club pro. Club <laughs> pro. Guy is probably 65 years old, can still average oh, like a 235. A I mean, that's yeah. amazing. That would be I, such a cool job. That, I mean, that wouldn't be as cool as being a golf pro, I don't think. But I guess if you're into bowling, it would be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a similar level at least. Right, and yeah. I. I like bowling quite a bit, so if, if this whole thing doesn't work out, I mean, maybe I could be the guy that replaces the guy that does that because he's, he's old enough now where a protege might be something he's, he's looking for. So, uh, yeah, I had to wait in line for a while. This guy's really good, so it took me like an hour and a half in total. But he, he's watching me throw the ball and analyzing backswing and release and all this different stuff, and based on that, making a determination of which oh. ball I should buy and then measuring – fingers like distance between fingers and having everything set up the right way and it, it's pretty intense I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this ball because it, it should be pretty much perfect i didn't know there was anything that you could change besides i thought they would just kind of do a mold of your fingers and say all right there it is like there's i mean obviously there's like different types of cores as far as i understand like what how does that just explain to me how you like what are the differences in bowling balls well i guess the the range of balls they have they all have different hook ratings and they go from like one to ten, essentially. Ten being a ball that will hook the most on its own. One being a ball that really won't hook much at all. And the inside of a ball, they had one kind of sliced open, like a display ball. Ooh. It's got like this kind of cone-looking weight in it, which causes it to get that spin. Because if you if you drill it a certain way, the way you release it every single time, you know the cone would be bigger at the end on the outside and it would so it's not just like a itself. perfect it's not like at the inside of a golf ball where it's right. just like circle circle you know progressively kind of smaller cores right the ball i used to have was a ball like my grandpa had 50 years ago right so that ball if you cut that open probably just solid throughout it would look like a, like a light like a ball malted milk ball or whatever those things are or right. whatever, whoppers or a golf ball but these new bowling balls are really pretty fancy i guess technology has changed a lot in bowling over the years so i don't know what this is going to be like I, i'm assuming it's going to be a lot easier to throw it because i had to generate all of my own spin before and the ball wasn't drilled for me so the finger holes were a little bit big they're a little bit too far apart mm. everything was a little off yeah oh it's, it's it's a miserable miserable experience the, the more the biggest question for me is what's the exterior of this ball going to look like do you get to choose like can you could you put like like submit like a digital photo and say like, hey, I want this printed on the outside of my ball. Not with the, uh, I think it's a Storm Loco that I purchased. Uh, no, that that comes in a couple of different pre-configured colors. There probably is a custom bowling ball manufacturer out there. So if, oh, you, sure. if, if you wanted to get, I mean, you what would you get? Like an Antoine Walker bowling ball? Is that what you'd go with? Yeah, I think it would just be Anton Walker's head because he's bald for the most part. You yeah, know? You, so you could just kind of like get his face, and it would just kind of look like his head, so which would, would be kind of. But is would you would you get the holes like for the eyes and the mouth? I that'd, be, that'd be really that'd, weird. That'd be, it'd be weird. It'd be really morbid too. You know, like right. I don't want to be. I don't want to feel like I'm throwing Anton Walker's head down an alley. But you know, at the same time, it would be a, kind of a cool look. Yeah. Do you get your name on it? Like, do you have like a bowling nickname? No, I don't have a bowling like, nickname. I just got I just got the DVR or... on there. I I need a bowling nickname. Turkey but... Thunder. Turkey Thunder? I don't know. Like, tur- isn't that a bowling term? That Turkey? seems like that would be James's nickname. Oh, I don't think he does a lot of bowling. 
Oh, maybe, well, yeah. maybe he does. I don't think I don't think he does. I've never seen him bowl. I'm not even really the authority on bowling in this office. That, of course, Chris. is Chris Benzine, who you've heard on the Daily Fantasy Sports podcast uh, with Nick on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy you really want to direct most of the bowling questions to. But this ball is like it's kind of like a blue and red, almost like a copperish color, oh. kind of a mixed pattern on the outside. The other choice was solid purple with some green. I, I just thought that was kind of lame. The green, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Old, I old love bucks. purple bowling balls generally, but really? the, the green accents. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of, the, mm-hmm. of, of that combo. So anyway, it, it was more about functionality, I guess, than, than mm-hmm. look. And I'm curious to see how much this actually changes the way I bowl. Uh, otherwise, the weekend was pretty unusual. I was out uh, with my parents after that. Hey. Good night going out with the parents. And... Uh, <laughs> Just just observing them in, in their natural environment with like their friends is is always kind of a, a hoot for me. I always find that to be yeah. entertaining. So that was just that was my Saturday. It was getting fitted for a bowling ball and then watching my parents drink alcohol. Like that was m- mostly what I did on Saturday. Were you like their DD? My sister was. I was kind of the backup DD because I wasn't oh, drinking nice. that much either. But <laughs> eventually, in case. right in case she just decided to bounce, <laughs> like I was the guy that was going to be responsible. In case she accidentally got just totally drunk. Or, or yeah, or in case she accidentally just started <laughs> pounding shots because she couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Sunday, yeah, Hungarian butterhorns, uh, these little cookie type things that uh, my wife's family makes. I learned how to make those, so I'm becoming more versatile by the day, Nick. Like I, I've really kind of grown into someone who's not well rounded, but definitely more rounded than I was maybe ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, what a weekend. I I thought I had an eventful weekend, but I didn't make any cookies. I didn't get any personal bowling balls. I didn't hang out with my parents. Uh, I was actually sick for most of the weekend. I I wasn't in the office on Friday, as you're aware, and you can probably still tell a little bit. I'm a little bit under the weather, but that enabled me to have a great built-in excuse to just kind of tell my friends, like, yeah, sorry, I'm not, don't really do, want to do anything this weekend. You know, usually there's, you know, pressure to, oh, come on, let's go get drinks whatever it is i was just like no i have no problem saying no i'm gonna watch i watched a bunch of nba games i watched the i was able to watch the saturday night nfl game and then i got into the show making a murderer on netflix which i think came out about a week ago or so it's one of those original you know netflix only things um and it is a great show uh to say the least uh if you're into any kind of you know true detective fargo the jank serial type of stuff uh that would be right up your alley and i i as somebody who's certainly far from a professional tv critic i couldn't recommend it anymore basically i've I've texted like four friends like please watch this now so i have somebody to discuss it with nobody's watched it yet but eventually uh they'll get there and it's it's not like fargo and true detective in that it's actually true crime you know it's, it's technically a documentary but i mean the suspense level and and things of that nature are just as high as those shows so could not recommend any more. If you have seen it, hit me up on Twitter. I'd like to talk about it. I, you know, there's just I need to talk about it with somebody. I can't talk about it with you, DVR. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're going bowling instead of watching these Netflix shows. Right. Getting fitted for a ball, making Hungarian <laughs> cookies, and having a seven-foot wooden giraffe delivered to me this morning, too. So it, it, was, it was a huge weekend, and I've carried that momentum yeah. right over into my Monday Finish so it far. out with a bang with that, that draft delivery. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on fire right now. Um, so, yeah, let's talk some football. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit of Christmas, but I think we, you know, we've bypassed that with our with our weekend talk. Uh, but we will we will be back next Monday, right after the Christmas holiday. Yeah, Some, be somebody will be here. It might not be me, but somebody's going to be. I'll be here. So if nothing else, I'll carry the flag of this podcast. Um, oh wait, real quickly, this thing you and I are both into jerseys quite a bit. You know, we've talked about that on the podcast, talked about it in the office, whatever. 
jerseys are always something that I've received as a gift. That was usually more in like elementary school, middle school, a little bit into high school because like, you know, back then I, w- I wasn't aware of the, the Chinese jersey trade industry. Right. So it was <laughs> like, you know, jerseys are like 50, 60 bucks. Not something I was just going to go buy with my own money as a middle schooler. So that was, you know, a great idea for grandparents, parents, whatever. Still, you know, not really asking for jerseys anymore. But again, you and I are both into jerseys, which non-Packers, non-Bucks, you know, just non-home team jerseys, you know, generic stuff you see around here. Which jersey would you want as a gift this year? I keep looking at AliExpress like on a nightly basis, trying to get my order <laughs> ready. And I have a couple picked out all the time. And then I get ready to go get my card out of my wallet. And I start thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'll just wait another day and see if I still want these jerseys tomorrow. And then I go look back the next day, and it, it kind of shifts around. But the one I keep coming back to is a Bo Jackson Auburn baseball jersey. Because Ooh. I've seen the Bo Jackson Auburn football jerseys remade. There's a few of those in circulation. I've seen the powdered blue uh, Royals Bo Jackson jerseys a little bit. Those, they're still all pretty rare, all cool jerseys. But I've never seen anyone wearing the Bo Jackson Auburn baseball jersey. That, to me, would be the one I would want the most this mm-hmm. Christmas. That's a really good choice. I've been I've been scouring for a Baron Davis Golden State Warriors jersey. Hmm. And I just I can't seem to find one. AliExpress has a, a few but they're, you know, a little little sketchy looking, not really willing to pull the trigger on that. eBay has come up empty. Um, you, know, you can personalize them on like the NBA store, but you have to pay like $140 and it's not really about that life. Um, so that I mean that's the one. So Derek, if you come across, you know, in your in your thrift store shopping, I know you like to check out the jersey selection every once and then, or every once in a while. Um, if you find any any Baron Davis Warriors jerseys, give me a call. But let's get into football. We'll start with the Saturday game. Won't talk too much about it. A pretty pretty lackluster affair. Jets nineteen, Cowboys sixteen. Jets move to nine and five, but still on the outside looking in at a playoff berth. Kansas City and Pittsburgh right now also at nine and five, but you know those teams seem to be a little bit more in the driver's seat. They have the tiebreakers working in their favor. This was a game, Randy Bullock hit a 40-yard field goal, 36 seconds left to basically win the game for the Jets. Kellen Moore, who for some reason was in the game for Dallas, ended up throwing a pick, kind of a heave basically at that point with under 30 seconds left looking for Des Bryant down the middle of the field. Kellen Moore is going to start next week now. Uh, Matt Castle just 3 of 8, 37 yards and a pick uh, before leaving this game. Do you have any confidence in Kellen Moore over these last two weeks if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective? Obviously, Dallas's you know, playoff hopes are eliminated at this point. I didn't see anything about him that stood out to me as even like a like a competent backup. Um, so with with that, I don't think I even want him in a two-quarterback league in Week 16. And again, that's going to be championship week for most people out there anyway. So if you've made it this far, you're probably not scrambling for a second quarterback. I, I, just, I saw nothing in his skill set that made me think, wow, this guy could be really good. I mean, Matt Castle, we know what he is right now, so I don't fault the Cowboys for playing Kellen Moore in this game and for going with him the rest of the way, it seems. That makes some sense. But the decision-making looked pretty bad. I thought so, too. That's, it's, you know, he's a small school guy, Boise State, you know, a guy who's a big name at the college level just because of where that program's at, even though they're a mid-major. I think he, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think he had the record for highest completion percentage in a season, either has or had. Mariota might have broken that last year. I think he either broke the passer rating or the completion percentage record. But either way, Kellen Moore completed 71% of his passes as a junior, 74% of his passes. That's absolutely ridiculous as a senior. And he was kind of one of those guys that, despite putting up huge numbers, despite kind of being a Heisman, dark horse type of candidate each year, nobody really took him seriously as an NFL prospect. And, you know, I think he's finally getting his shot. 
makes his debut, three picks, 15 to 25. You know, that that accuracy, that decision-making, that was kind of his – those are kind of his his skills, I guess. You know, when you're looking to him in a scouting report, you know, the, the kind of – the pluses, I guess, in that category wouldn't be arm strength, wouldn't be – you know, this guy has a rocket arm. This guy can sling it all over the place. It's This guy can make decisions. He could be a good game manager. And I didn't really see that on Saturday. And obviously, it's a small sample. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I wouldn't be – I certainly wouldn't be scrambling to go grab Kellen Moore if I'm in a two-quarterback league or, or anything like that. Yeah, no interest really in him. I think maybe it bumps Dez's value up just slightly from where it was with Matt Castle, but nowhere near the point where it would have been coming into the season. Plus, you're still wondering with Dez – how healthy is he at that foot injury he had earlier this year? He doesn't seem like quite the same player uh, just from a physical standpoint. And then you add in the downgrade at quarterback. It's just kind of a, mm-hmm. a messy spot right now. Unfortunately, if you are in the finals with Dez, I don't really know where you draw that line as far as who you're playing over him in Week 16. Yeah, that's it'd be a really tough, t- it'd be a really tough case decision It's case by case. It's hard to say sit Dez Bryant. You know, if you have DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown, then you probably sit Dez Bryant. But if you don't have, you know, that caliber of guy ahead of him, you kind of have to take your chances with Dez, right? Yeah, the only way you'd, you'd have something like that, too, is if you made a trade for an elite receiver while Dez was out and expected right. him to miss most of the year. And in that case, sure, you're rolling because exactly. you've got that. I mean, maybe you picked up Doug Baldwin as depth a few weeks ago or something. Well, that's the kind of choice you have to make. A guy like Doug Baldwin who's having a great year but is still – you know, on the general radar as kind of a a mid-tier name, you know. And I think there are a lot of people who would probably make the call to start Dez over him because, I mean, even even though the numbers kind of belie that this season, Dez is still the name. Dez is still the guy that we've seen have monster, monster games over the years. And there's still that hope, I think, that, that he could come through. But I think at some point you just kind of have to look at this quarterback situation and realize how much lower Dez's ceiling is than, than when Tony Romo's under center. Yeah, it's it's just ugly. I mean, I think Cowboys fans, if they didn't appreciate Tony Romo going into this year, maybe now we'll finally appreciate him as much as they should. Ryan Fitzpatrick played pretty well, 26-39, 299, a TD, and a pick. Uh, four for 74 for Brandon Marshall, 55 yards. I think it was six catches for Eric Decker, also got in the end zone. Bilal Powell scored. Chris Ivory didn't. Darren McFadden had 100 yards on the ground. I think the thing I would also point out about this game, the Jets' run defense faced a lot of really bad rushing offenses in the last few weeks. I know they've looked like maybe an elite run defense on paper. I think they're they're good, not great. So just keep that in mind if you happen to be matching up against them in Week 16. Falcons 23 America's team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 17. This, I mean, you can imagine how crushed I am. Jags, after that big win last week, certainly not in the driver's seat in the AFC South, but with the way the schedule worked out, uh, things were kind of in their favor. And, you know, they needed Houston to beat Indianapolis yesterday. That happened. Uh, and those ga- that game kind of going on concurrently with this Falcons-Jags game. And they're not eliminated now, uh, but the road gets a little bit harder. They need... Uh, they basically need Indianapolis and Houston to both lose out. Indianapolis has, I believe, Tennessee and Miami remaining. Um, and Houston, I forget off the top of my head who Houston plays next week, but then they have Houston at Jacksonville. Or excuse me, Jacksonville at Houston in Week 17. So things still alive, uh, again, for the Jaguars, but a pretty disappointing performance against this Falcons team that's just been god-awful. And uh, I'm assuming you probably didn't get to watch much of this game. It, it wasn't a nationally televised game, but I, I was keeping an eye on it in the first half at least. And the Jags offense sputtered. They finally get a drive going just before half. Uh, I think there was 15 or so seconds left, first and goal from the one. And Blake Bortles throws what should have been a pick six. It was picked off, and, and Bortles is able to trip up uh, the intercepting player about 60 yards downfield. And 
he made it far enough down though that the Falcons were able to tack on a field goal just before half making it 17 to 3 and the Jags stormed back but I, I was very disappointed this was a team that I think a lot of people were high on coming off of those that win over Indianapolis um you're putting up 51 points and then you come back and, and only put up 17 on a terrible Atlanta D yeah to drop that game at home makes it even worse Denard Robinson didn't really do as much as anyone expected 14 carries <clears> for 28 <throat> yards caught eight balls for 46 yards so uh, in full point PPR settings like DraftKings for the price he didn't hurt you that badly but in season long he was really disappointing especially in non-PPR formats you get Devonte Freeman in the end zone but his yardage was kind of poor on the ground 56 yeah. yards on 25 carries he caught seven balls for 45 yards so his day doesn't look that bad when you add up the rushing and receiving yards consider that he scored but even that wasn't nearly as impressive as you'd expect him to be in this matchup really kind of a, a flat game all around but you're right one I didn't see much of during the great butterhorn bake-off of, of 2015 it was a lot of Colts Texans believe yep. it or not that was available so yeah was, I think there are a lot of people wondering why that was the national early game uh, on CBS, but I, I mean, division implications, I guess, kind of trump any other any other sort of intrigue that's out there. I mean, is there any other real explanation for that? Indianapolis is closer to Wisconsin than Atlanta and Jacksonville. That's true. That's <laughs> well, I'm not saying that in, that Atlanta Jacksonville necessarily should have been the game. Right, but I right, guess, right. Yeah, I mean, no. those are two teams. Atlanta's still mathematically alive in the NFC. They're the only team other than Seattle and Minnesota among non-division leaders that are still alive right now. Um, and like we said, Jacksonville technically still alive too. So then we'll see how these shake out. The Jags are at New Orleans next week, a matchup on paper, you know, that you like for Blake Bortles, Alan Hearns, uh, TJ Yeldon, presumably back Alan Robinson. But, you know, after putting up only 17 uh, against Atlanta, can we, are we back to not being able to trust the Jaguars? Probably. I mean, I, I think the guys that have been chipping in all year, Alan Robinson, Alan Hearns to a lesser extent, Bortles you probably throw them out there against the Saints because the Saints leak like a sieve, but I don't expect them to go into New Orleans and win. No, me neither. And like I said, like the hype for Jacksonville you know, was kind of at a, a five-year high, I think, going into this game. Then you look back, I mean, they've lost three of four all of a sudden. It's not like they came into this game on a hot streak, you know, and I, it's the same old Jags. You know, I I soared near the top of my Pick'em League uh, with with friends this week as like one of the one of like three people who picked against the Jags, and it's like you, you guys haven't watched this team. They are not a good football team. Not that the not that the Falcons are that much better. I mean, they came into this one losers of six in a row. Yeah, is that J- right? Jags gonna jag though, Nick. Right, the Jags are always gonna jag. It's important to remember that. Bears 17, Vikings 38. Where did this performance come from for this Minnesota team, and specifically Teddy Bridgewater? 17 of 20, 231 yards, four touchdowns. It's a QBR of 97.2. Also tacked on a rushing touchdown, so five total touchdowns for Bridgewater, accounting for all five of Minnesota's scores. So, Derek, he became the second QB in the last 30 years to have four passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, while while having fewer than five incompletions in a game. Do you know who the other quarterback was to do that? It was in 2010. 2010. So, again, four passing touchdowns, yep. one rushing touchdown, fewer than five incompletions. That sounds like an Aaron Rodgers sort of game. It does, but it was not Aaron Rodgers. Mm, I don't have a second guess queued up. Uh, well, there's a reason I put this in here. I'll, I'll make that a clue. Oh, oh, so it was uh, David Garrard. It was David Garrard. <laughs> it was David Garrard, he, the only other quarterback – in the last 30 years, to have four passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and fewer than five incompletions, that came in a win over the Dallas Cowboys in 2010. So the more you know. Jarek McKinnon, 
five receptions, 66, or excuse me, 76 yards, and a touchdown in this one. Stephon Diggs got in the end zone twice. Jay Cutler, decent fantasy day, 26 for 37, 231 yards, two touchdowns, did have a pick. He fumbled on the first possession of the second half, fumbled, you know, strip sack situation. Uh, and that's really what kind of sealed the fate for Chicago in this one. Minnesota was able to go down and, and basically put the game out of reach. Matt Forte, 47 yards on the ground. Jeremy Langford, 46. So you're not really getting much production if you went with either of those guys. 63 yards for Peterson, decent day for him. But, I mean, the story here is just Bridgewater. I, I, this is probably the best game of his career by a decent margin, right? Yeah, one of the, at least one of the best. But I, I think the other thing with Forte I want to point out is that he was pretty active as a pass catcher. Six catches, 57 yards, and a TD. That really bailed him out. I mean, he's splitting carries right now with Langford, but he's still very active as a receiver in that Chicago offense. I mean, Jarek McKinnon played well. Stephon Diggs scoring twice was a big uh, turnaround for him. He kind of disappeared for the last four or five weeks. Adrian Peterson, if you're going up against him in the semifinals of your season-long league, I think you'd be pretty happy with the Bears' defense. That 18 carries, 63 yards, didn't get in the end zone, only three and a half yards pop. Pretty good job of that Bears defense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is this is just kind of an odd result, I guess. You know, it wasn't like Chicago played that badly. They just they just really didn't have any answers for Bridgewater. Um, so looking ahead now, three team race, like we said for that NFC wild card. Seattle's already clinched. They're at nine and five. They've clinched one of the wild card spots. The Vikings also sit at nine and five, two games up on the seven and seven Falcons. Everyone else is eliminated when it comes to the wild card. I mean, the NFC East is. Uh, kind of an animal of its own but none of those teams really in the wild card chase um so basically the vikings can clinch one of those wild cards with a win next week or a seattle win or an atlanta loss so you know barring barring the insane uh minnesota and seattle will probably be your wild card teams in the nfc but that said we've we've seen stranger things happen over the years with these vikings so it's going to be probably a green bay minnesota matchup in round one of the playoffs yes I believe so, right? So Seattle, six, would, yeah. Seattle would come in as the five, presumably. Yeah, because the East, the East team's not going to catch the Packers. No. So that's what it's likely to be, unless some weird stuff happens. If, 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 if Arizona well, loses to Green Bay and then loses again, and then Green Bay Seattle wins Seattle could still 17. win the division, technically. Really? Oh, yeah. Right? So with two Arizona losses, they could, they, Seattle could jump in. Green Bay could move up. They have a tiebreaker. Wow. All right. Well, it's they still not a, could win the division, or they still could win the division. Correct. I'm not. I'm not wrong to say that. Uh, yeah. I don't think Arizona's clinched the division, even though they seem like they're going to. Oh no, they have. They really? Have. Yeah. Oh, that's According good. According to ESPN, they have. Good for them. Um. So yeah, they clinched the division. They had, the tiebreakers must work. Oh, there's a, yeah. I mean, there's three games up on Seattle, so there's no way. Um. So yeah, I mean, even at Seattle and Minnesota, no matter how that shakes out, it looks like it's going to be Carolina one, Arizona two, Green Bay three. Uh, right now, the Redskins, four. That could change. Uh, we'll pencil them in for now. So, yeah, that would mean Minnesota goes to Washington. Uh, no, excuse me. Minnesota goes to Green Bay in round one, and Seattle goes to Washington. All right. I mean, I think if you – I mean, Green Bay hasn't played great, but if you're choosing between the Packers and the Redskins in this matchup, I think if you're Seattle, you're going to do everything you can to stay at that five spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this five spot is a lot better this year just given the form of that division. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see where else do we want to look. Texans 16, Colts 10, Brandon Whedon leading the Texans down to two fourth quarter field goals, uh, to end up winning this game. Derek, he attempted two combined passes on those two quote unquote game winning drives. It's amazing that the Texans won this game, but we saw Charlie Whitehurst preparing to play 
for for a little while. He got oh, yeah. out there for a couple he attempts, was out there, but he was running around. Didn't take him long to be quickly replaced by an even more injured Matt Hasselbeck, who somehow is keeping it together down the stretch. Yeah, he had like food poisoning or something in this one. Like everything's just falling apart. He was him. literally on his deathbed the first time he played this year. That, that's what Chuck Pagano told us. Literally. I don't know if Chuck Pagano knows exactly what literally means. That's okay. He doesn't need to. Close enough. Not important. There's just really nothing to talk about in this game. Frank Gore, 44 yards. Alfred Blue had a nice game. They Shocker, got, I mean, The right? Texans really rode Alfred Blue, and I, I kind of like the strategy that they took uh, in this game. You know, with, with Brandon Whedon in the game, it was basically – we're going to ride the run as much as we can. We're not going to pass unless we have to. And, you know, Whedon, 11 completions, 105 yards, a touchdown, and no picks. Like, could you really ask for much more from him? I mean, this is it's, this is a vintage Brandon Whedon game, or at least what you want from Brandon Whedon, and that is basically don't lose us the game. Exactly. And maybe, just maybe, Brian Hoyer is back in Week 16. It mm-hmm. seems like he's making a little bit of progress right. in recent days with that concussion protocol. It's a huge boost to the Texans to have him huge. back. I mean, he's a, he's a lot better than the Whedon Yates duo. Oh, I thought you were being sarcastic at first, but no, yeah. No, it, I mean, it is. When based based on the drop off, it's actually right. a pretty big upgrade. Exactly. And Indiana, or Indiana, Indianapolis kicked a field goal midway through the second quarter. That was the last time they scored in this game. There's seven drives the rest of the way punt, 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 lost fumble, interception. Nice. That's a way to close out a game. That's how you do it. So next week, Houston can clinch the AFC South with a win and an Indianapolis loss. Uh, we'll see how that happens. Obviously, as a, as a Jags fan, I'm rooting for both losses uh, as, as far as that slate goes. Panthers 38, Giants 35. Probably the most entertaining game uh, of the early slate and probably the entire weekend. And definitely the game that's been talked about the most uh, on the network morning shows that, that we've had on in the office this morning. Panthers stay unbeaten. That's the main storyline here. Um, but the other storyline and, you know, the, the – the storyline, I guess, that's gathered more headline attention is is Odell Beckham. Were you able to watch this game? I didn't get to see that one because I don't think it was on locally where I was. No, Maybe. it was one. Of, I think they uh, they blacked out the first game on Fox, right? right. Because they ran Denver Pittsburgh with the Packer game yep, here. So. That's right. Well, they uh, this is one of those games that I think they cut to in the end right. know, once the initial game was over. But yeah, I mean, first of all, I guess we'll we'll get to Beckham in a minute. But Panthers stay unbeaten. They're fourteen and zero. But they let their foot off the gas again. We've seen this happen a few times with this team. They're up 35-7 to in this one with just over a minute left in the third quarter. Um, and obviously the Giants score right at the end of the third quarter. They score three fourth-quarter touchdowns. Odell Beckham brings in a touchdown from 14 yards out with 146 remaining. Panthers are able to go down get a field goal to win it. But I mean, this is a game that looked like it was wrapped up even midway through the third quarter with the way that Carolina was able to move the ball. And you know, we saw this happen with Green Bay. They got up big, turned into a game in the end. We saw this happen with Indianapolis, uh, where it looked like they were able to put the game away. This was back in probably week week five, week six, uh, in the driving rain uh, back in Carolina. Indianapolis was able to come back and force overtime. We saw it happen with New Orleans early in the season, too, where Carolina was able to build a double-digit lead. New Orleans cr- creeps back into it, goes up late. And, you know, I guess if you're looking at this from Carolina's perspective, um, you know, if you're a Panthers fan, are you worried about your team not being able to slam the door when they have these big leads? Or does it say a lot that they're able to, you know, yeah, we let the team back into it, but we came through and were able to pull it out anyway? Yeah, I think you're a little concerned because it does show a sign of weakness in the defense. Like teams are figuring out ways to break them down. At the same time, to have huge leads like that, I mean, I think you're more confident than you are concerned. So, you, you know, you're looking at yourself and you're saying our defense isn't completely invincible, 
but they they do have this sort of I don't know they have this kind of ball hawking tendency too, which I think when teams play that way they can be more more vulnerable to yielding large numbers of points. I think about like the Super Bowl defense of the Packers four or five years ago. I mean that wasn't an elite defense, but they could force turnovers. So it's kind of a, like an all or nothing in a lot of ways, where like you risk giving up yeah. big penalties, big plays, but it can also pay off. I think that's a little bit like how they're built right now, and they've got the offense that's playing at such a high level that it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, I'm just amazed that when you look at this line, Cam had had the five TDs, 340 yards, 100 rushing yards. Like I've just never seen a game like that before. No, no, it, it was a, the box score is just kind of you know it's something to marvel at, really. I mean, and Cam Newton, unbelievable. The only quarterback in NFL history to have a line like that, and the only quarter, no no other quarterback has even had uh, four plus pass touchdowns, let alone five, uh, to go with a hundred rushing yards. And a lot of those came on a forty-seven yard run, the longest run uh, that we've seen from him. Really channeling his inner Blaine Gabbert in a lot of ways. That's kind of what I, when I saw Cam running down. I was like, that's not Blaine Gabbert. Like he's not he doesn't play for the Panthers. Um, but I mean, obviously we've seen him be used more as kind of a, a sledgehammer type of runner between the tackles and, and he was able to get loose in the open field a little bit more in this one. There've only been 11 quarterbacks in league history to rush for a hundred yards in a game. And it never happened before the year 2000. Is that as like surprising to you as it is to me? I would have thought that Randall Cunningham at right. some point in the nineties had like done 2000, it. year 2000, like we're, we're like decades into the NFL and finally, like, that just seems like something, obviously the game has changed a little bit and, you know, quarterback mobility is valued quite a bit more in the last two decades than it was before. But still, I mean, it, how that never happened until 2000. Yeah, that's, that's pretty surprising. So, I mean, Cam is one of the 11. How many, I want to, yeah, I want to ask you how many of the 11 can you name? And it kind of sounds like a lot, but they're all pretty big names, you know, and you could kind of narrow it down. Like you just, you just know that the majority of quarterbacks have never even come close to this. So like it's every name on this list is like a guy you would suspect and say, oh yeah, I could totally see that. I love him. Cam, which is one of the 11. That's one. Michael Vick. Michael, Michael Vick did it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. That's crazy. That's way more than anybody else. That goes without saying. Colin Kaepernick. Yes. Russell Wilson. Yes. He's done it four times. I'm trying to think. Maybe Alex Smith did it once. Um, that's a very good guess, but no. Okay, so he didn't do it. Uh, 2000. Man, I don't think that's far enough I think back. 2000. For- NFC South. NFC South in 2000. Not Michael Vick. Yeah, not Vick. Who's not the, Jake DeLome. Not Jake DeLome. Aaron Brooks? Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks, and I don't, I don't remember him Aaron running Brooks. that much. Me neither. I think he was kind of like David Garrard, where people were like, oh, he's an African-American quarterback. He must be able to run. And it was like, no, I mean, he, he was a decent runner, but he was not like a, he wasn't really the scrambler that yeah, Michael Vick that, was. Yeah, that's why I'm surprised he had a Wasn't one, he Michael Vick's cousin? Game. So they're like, oh, he must also be like are, what, are, is, is Aaron Brooks really related to Michael Vick? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind of like a T-Mac, Vince Carter situation. Hmm. RG3, did he do it? Yeah, no. RG3 didn't. Oh, yes. It. Sorry. Yes, okay. I'm sorry, I'm looking right at so it. So I'm at six, at and I got six. M- missed on two, so yep. or missed on one so far. Uh, other mobile quarterbacks, I- I'm struggling for more. Who else did it? <laughs> um, Marcus Mariota, a couple oh, weeks ago okay. against Jacksonville. Missed that. Um, Donovan McNabb. Okay. Tim Tebow. Jeez. Yeah, I, whatever, that happened. Uh, against the Raiders, apparently in 2011, he, he rushed for 118 yards. Joe Webb. Joe Webb. Joe did Webb it. did it also in 2011. Uh, he ran for 109 yards, and the last one, Terrell Pryor, twice. Wow, twice for Oakland 
uh, in the 2013 season in in about a month and a half span. So, but not go. not good enough. He's not good enough to be on the no. Cleveland Browns roster. No. Dwayne Bow is. Terrell Pryor is not. That's correct. Jeez. Yeah. So just a little bit, you know, just to kind of put that in perspective for how rare it is to one rush for 100 yards in a game for a quarterback and two do it while also throwing five touchdowns. Um, let's see. Oh, those are your guesses here. I'm looking at Yeah, the sorry. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was like, adding uh, them to the list so I didn't forget them. No, I was sure. thinking about the question. But, sure. I mean, the other thing in this game that I think is, is worth mentioning, Odell Beckham I mean, should be suspended. We need to talk about that. I mean, that. He, he was headhunting Josh Norman. I think he will be suspended. There's reports, I think it was Schefter re- reporting this morning, that it's expected that he'll be suspended at least one game. And, I mean, this is, this is pretty much unprecedented, right? Like, to see somebody – it's not unprecedented to see a player target another player and, you know – you see scuffles all the time. You know, I remember the Andre Johnson, Cortland Finnegan uh, incident from a few years ago. Like that was kind of one that stands out. But that was, it's always something. You know, maybe there's some minor shoving and leads to that, and then it's handled. Like this was began in the first quarter, continued in the second quarter, continued in the third quarter, came to a head in the fourth quarter. I mean, Josh Norman. I, I thought Josh Norman handled it about as well as you could, to be honest. I mean, he picked up a couple personal fouls himself, but like. I don't think he was the instigator, and who knows what's being said between the two. Obviously, the, the, the TV cameras don't pick that up, but I thought for the most part he did a pretty decent job of restraining himself while still maintaining, you know, you got to have some sort of credibility. You know, like, you, know you say, like, it, it's much easier said than done to just walk away and turn the other cheek or whatever it might be, but that's just not how it works. In a, you know, a, a guy who thinks he's the best cornerback in the game and a guy who thinks he's the best receiver in the game you, you just can't – I don't think you can completely back down. I, I think Josh Norman handled it about as well as he could. He'll probably be fined. I don't think he gets suspended. But, I mean, Beckham, if even the one play alone where he comes – it was on a running play. He comes shooting in. He's coming back, yeah. comes back to the ball completely away from the play and just kind of nosedives right into Josh Norman, hits him helmet to helmet. And I think that play alone, you know, is going to get him a fine, maybe a suspension, and then piled on with the rest of the antics from throughout the game. I mean, it's – it's kind of embarrassing, honestly, and you know it, it's not a good look for for Beckham. That's for sure. No, not at all. I mean, it's just a, it's a maturity thing. I'm sure he can grow out of this, but it's just it's bad timing for the Giants and for fantasy owners if that happens to be Week 16. Well, right, and yeah, that's the thing. This team isn't eliminated. I, I don't, you know, and he starts the game out with a huge drop. I'm really, sure you saw that. Really <laughs> like, bad maybe drop. like the drop of the year, really, and a perfectly thrown ball. He runs right past Norman, and drops that, and. You know, I don't know if that kind of sparked it or what, but I mean, he, he did catch a touchdown late in this game. But it's also not like he was burning Josh Norman throughout the game. I mean, Norman won this battle. Um, I guess you could say until that final two minutes when when Beckham caught the what was the tying touchdown. But still, I mean, the Panthers won the game. Beckham's going to end up probably getting suspended here. I, I don't know how he comes out of this looking positively. I mean, you can paint it as a look at the fire that he has, look at the competitiveness, and that's great, but. I mean, a lot of guys have that. Most guys in the NFL had that. They also know how to control themselves whether they're on the field. And I mean, it got to the point. I love Odell Beckham. Everybody kind of like like nobody like doesn't like Odell Beckham going into this game. And I think if you're somebody who hasn't seen a ton of him, and this was maybe your first impression, it certainly didn't come off that great. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, again, young enough and exciting enough, talented enough to kind of get past it. But right. one of those things that you really didn't expect to see. No, no, not at all. That was it was odd. That's that's for sure. Um, but again, Panthers continue. They're fourteen and zero. Uh, I think they have Tampa Bay and New, no, not New, Atlanta remaining on the schedule these next two weeks. You're Ron Rivera. Is there any chance you're resting your starters and, and risking kind of blowing this 
this possible undefeated season. No, I think you just go for it. At this I point. think so too. I, I think it's it's about momentum. It's about the team that still really isn't respected all that much by the rest of the league. And I mean, if you get up big in a game now, maybe then you start to back off Cam a bit more and a couple right. of key players. But I think he's going to try to play it out. I think so too. The, the thing about this team though is they do rest so heavily on Cam and they rest so heavily on Greg Olson and Jonathan Stewart that. You know, you can't lose. Like, you lose any of those three guys, and this team ceiling, I think, especially Cam and Olsen, I think those are the big two. This team ceiling, you know, gets a little bit lower when you look toward the playoffs. So it's not like a super, super deep team where, you know, you have, I mean, that, that defense, I suppose, deserves a lot more credit than maybe I'm giving them. But when so much of your fate is in the hands of those three offensive players, I think I'd be a little more cautious. But no, I mean, if I'm Ron Rivera, there's no chance I'm, I'm, I'm risking not going 16 0. I mean, you make it this far. I think you absolutely have to go for it. If you're 13 and one at this point, sure, go ahead and rest them. But I mean, this is this is possible history that you're sitting on. Yeah, no, I, I think you want the momentum too. I mean, I think keeping the winning streak alive, especially carrying it that into the playoffs, that cares is, is, about it. Yeah, too. it's it's a good thing. It's a positive to carry that in as opposed to that stupid idea that some people have. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Oh, they, well, they should lose a game now so that way they don't lose one later. It's like that doesn't. Yeah, those I, aren't related. I love that logic. That that's. It's horrible Absolutely logic. Ridiculous. Like, yeah, well, at least I got that out of the way. Like, that's what people said when Green Bay was it. Did they lose to Denver first or Carolina first? It was Denver, right? This though, this season, yeah. Uh, Carolina, I think oh, it was, was Carolina. First. Yeah, yeah. When they lost that game, it was like, oh well, you know, we thought well, maybe they were going to go undefeated, but it was good to get this loss out of the way. Were people like, serious? They, people they thought, were serious. They thought that team was going to go undefeated. I don't, I don't think they thought. I don't. I wouldn't say they thought it was like a better than fifty percent chance, but I think there were people out there that said if we can get past Carolina we can get past Denver you know you looked at the schedule at that point and it was full of Chicago Detroit Minnesota which you know and, and looking in hindsight Green Bay dropped a couple of those games but I don't know I'm, I'm saying people are a little bit uh a little bit jaded you know when, uh, certainly when it comes to their own team and there are people out there that thought it was a possibility I, I, I don't think that's a, a crazy assertion by any means but you know, I'm glad we both agree I, I think everybody wants to see them at least go for it yeah I, I think Sitting back for two games, especially, would be awful. Like that—that's a really bad. Oh, no, and, and a bye too, especially. Well, right. That's the other thing. Three weeks of bye. That the bye week is your off week. If you're obviously, it's not possible to go undefeated and not get a bye. But you know, if you're coming in at at thirteen and two, and somehow that's you know, if there's another great team in your division, I don't know. Whatever the situation is that you don't have a bye, then sure, then maybe you consider it. But when you have a bye week, then you're then you're giving your team too much time off. And I, I don't think you necessarily want to mess with that. Um, another early game, Titans 16, Patriots 33. This is one of those games I think New England just kind of did what they needed to do to get this done. You know, not pretty, but just get a win, get out. Mariota left this game uh, pretty early. And uh, with, with a knee injury, they're kind of awaiting results on that. In comes Zach Mettenberger. He goes 20-28, 242 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and two picks. I see you're looking at the. We have the Miss USA highlights are on uh, ESPN News in the studio here. Did you see what happened with that? I heard about it, and I haven't seen any of the video. I don't want to watch the video. Like it'd be so awkward to to tell someone that they were the most beautiful or most perfect woman in the universe, and then a minute later have to take the crown. <sighs> Off of their head and put it onto someone else's. Like, like literally go out and remove the crown. You can't. Like that's all. You can't do that. Like, that's terrible. Steve Harvey has to be. Could you imagine like the the millisecond where it went through his head? You know, the the producer in his ear was like, Steve, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> and they did it after commercial. Right? I wasn't watching it live. I, yeah, I, I have to. Like, I think they go came back and, back and they're it. like, 
Folks, we, we, we made a mistake. <laughs> I mean, uh, there was a whole, like, I saw some uh, photos on Twitter of, of people watching in Colombia, like, in bars, celebrating. They were really excited. Who, who goes to a bar to watch that? I don't know. I, I guess I, this is, like, probably a big night for, like, you, the Hooters th- crowd. Do you think in Colombia, for Colombia, do you think they have... 300 channels of limitless entertainment or do you think they might have guess, fewer like, channels like is miss usa like a source of like international pride maybe uh, it is miss I, universe I, I, yeah I, it's, is it's it really galactic like, pride i would i could not care less they're they're tuning in all over outer space to watch miss universe i guess i i just didn't maybe maybe in other in other countries that's a bigger deal like if if miss usa won like would people would there would people care would that move the needle at all no, we our in our country. If if we had someone win that win that title, the collective we, not you and I, like people would just judge that person for stupid things. Like just, Kendall Jenner walking in the Victoria's Secret fashion show would be a bigger deal than the USA winning Miss Universe. Did that happen, or are you yeah, making that up? It I just I, it happened, and it caused quite a stir. Yeah, I, I think. That's that's we care more about that stuff, and right. then we would just find stupid ways to like criticize somebody, right? Who like as Miss USA and we goes didn't, on to win. And we didn't even universe. have to do that this year because Steve Harvey just kind of was like, "I got you guys. I'll take care of that. I'll I'm, take I'm, care of any kind of talking points." Is he going to lose his his uh, contract with Family Feud? <sighs> I hope not. I don't know. I, I I couldn't imagine anyone. No one else can do it like he does. No, no, nobody could. I mean, like the the combination, the chemistry between him and Joey Fatone as as a kid. I remember the late Ray Combs, who I think killed himself when I was a kid. He was the host for me growing up, but he was a great host of that show. And I think people like Richard Dawson a lot, like the really go way back on Game Show Network. Richard Dawson was the guy who would actually like kiss each of the female family members on both sides. I think usually on the cheek. Steve, Steve works in some kisses. Every Does he get those in there? That's where that came from. That came from like the Richard Dawson era of the yeah. feud. Okay. Yeah, the feud's a little raunchy these days. You know, the Game Show Network in general. You ever watch Baggage? What? What's Baggage? <laughs> oh, hosted by uh, Jerry Springer. No. And so basically, what it is is like uh. a, it's like a dating show, and there's one. It's either a girl or a guy who's like looking for a partner or a match or whatever. And they, there's three candidates, and there's like a bunch of suitcases. Kind of like a, the suitcases are like straight off of Deal or No Deal, which I just watched for the first time last weekend. That's an entirely different topic, but. Um, so each, all these, you know, potential dates, it's, it's almost set up like a, like those MTV shows, uh, like kind of like room raiders. Obviously they don't raid anyone's room, but it's like, there's, you know, three candidates and like, they're trying to figure out which one they would be most compatible with, I guess. But the way that they do that is by revealing like horrible details about their life, like baggage, you know, they have baggage as like a girlfriend or whatever. So like, I'm just looking up examples right now. So I'm sure like, okay, so one example might be like someone got a DUI and like, crashed their car into a zoo and oh, killed no. a bunch of elephants. Well, kind of. The ridiculous aspect of that, yes. It's usually not like crimes. It's like um, just like just ridiculous. Like I cut my hair and eat it. Like stuff oh, like that. Oh, that kind of stuff. Like, like, the, like, the, like the TLC, like really like weird like, disorder I just type picture, I just typed in, I just searched baggage game show network and there's a bunch of pictures of like people on the show. Here's one. I clear my mind by hanging myself from meat hooks. What? I don't know what that means. Uh, I think don't people do that? Like where they like there's like holes and like their people do that. I don't know. I've seen like a documentary on it. I eat whole sticks of butter. So basically, you know, each contestant like reveals all this weird stuff about them, and they like after round one, the guy's like, I don't know, that's you're too weird. But the other two can stay, and then the next round they they open their next baggage, and it gets like progressively weirder. 
and like it by the end of real. it, they just basically they here's one. I hold my cat during sex. That that can't no no. There's no, that does that's not a thing. No one does that. That's not real. I was paid to be the husband on a honeymoon. Nope. Still not. Still not I'm a thing. I'm a seasonal bisexual. Nope. That doesn't exist. I have 15 living cats and 30 dead cats at my home. No. <laughs> yes. Come so it's on. stuff like that. It's stuff that's just like laugh out loud ridiculous. No. And by the end of it, by the end of it, they like the guy like finally chooses which girl is like the least bizarre, and they're like. They like canoodle and are like, this is gonna be so great. And then he, as like a bombshell at the end, he reveals his baggage, and then the girl who he chooses has to choose if she still wants him. That's it's the so stupidest so show like, I've ever heard. It really is dumb, but like if you're look, if there's like nothing else on, like it's very sadly entertaining. There are three hundred episodes of this. Oh yeah, it's on all the time. It's on like for blocks at a time on Game Show Network. Awful. I'm very bad. I'm so disappointed. It's probably the worst show I've ever seen. To honestly. find out about, like, I none, none of the stuff you said is real. That's all made. I don't up. think it is real because at the end they flashed this like all all the contestants on the show provided by blank talent agency. You know, so yeah. I think they're like basically paid actors. They're made up characters, right? Like, it, and like the, the stuff they're saying is just so absurd that it's like no, exactly. people don't even do that. Right? It's stuff that like you couldn't even. I don't know who sits in a writer's room and makes those things up. Like people do weird things, but the things they're describing, the ones, the examples you gave me, I think were all one hundred percent fabricated. I think so too. I think, like I said, I think they're, uh, I think they're kind of talent agency provided basically. But you know, if you turn the channel before you see the disclaimer, then they seem real at least. So yeah, very bizarre show. I'm certainly not advocating for it. Uh, we're not sponsored by Baggage, nor are we sponsored by Game Show Network, but. Again, if you just want to check it out for the bizarre factor, uh, it's certainly there. We've partnered with our friends at DraftKings, uh, not Game Show Network, to run an exclusive RotoWire Fantasy Football Contest the final four weeks of the season. RotoWire podcast listeners can participate against each other and against us hosts to earn a spot in the RotoWire Fantasy Football Championship. That takes place in week 17, so obviously we've had qualifiers in week 15. Uh, and week 14 the final qualifier will be this week and week 16 just five dollars to enter the winner takes home 100 bucks you also get a seat into that week 17 championship pool join in the fun now sign up at rotowire.com slash draftkings that's rotowire.com slash draftkings all right bills 25 redskins 35 another strong game from kirk cousins who Either plays really well or pretty poorly uh, on most weeks. But 22 of 28, 319 yards, four passing touchdowns, tacked on a rushing touchdown as well. Deshaun Jackson had a big day, 153 yards, including a long touchdown catch. Jordan Reed, two touchdowns to go with 84 yards. Sammy Watkins, another strong game for Buffalo. This is a guy we talked about last week. And, you know, basically, is he a little bit risky because so, you know, he's kind of a big chunk guy. You know, he's, he's, going to get you a couple 30 40 yard receptions but you know those are also obviously riskier throws the target numbers aren't there um but i mean if he keeps producing like this there's really no reason to doubt him he had 111 yards on five catches two touchdowns the rushing in this game uh you know looking at it from a fantasy perspective was not ideal uh the redskins basically split it evenly between alfred morris he had 84 yards on 14 carries matt jones 10 carries 28 yards the bills were even and even more spread out. Mike Gillisley, the leading rusher with 81 yards on four carries and a touchdown. Tyrod, 79 yards. LaShawn McCoy, just 29 yards on 10 carries in this game. Yeah, he got hurt. He had a sprained knee. They think it's a minor sprain, but definitely kind of puts him in the questionable designation. 
heading into week 16 against Dallas. We'll see what kind of progress he makes as the week unfolds, but it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to give him some rest. And, and Gillisley would be the guy that picks up most of the value unless Carlos Williams is, is able to uh, get back in the mix. So we'll see uh, how he progresses as well to get a better read on that Buffalo running back situation for the championship week. Yeah, the the development there is kind of odd. I mean, Carlos Williams was a guy who – what week three week four we thought was you know maybe going to be sustainable even if he was sharing carries with LaShawn McCoy and now you know Mike Gillisley coming out of somewhat nowhere uh to kind of seize the those carries in the in the absence of LaShawn McCoy if he misses any time so um certainly kind of the back to have right now if you're looking in as a backup to McCoy in that backfield next week looking ahead the Redskins can clinch the NFC East with a win so it's amazing isn't it it is I think that somehow this division is maybe clinched um you know with with a week remaining after it looked like it was just kind of going to be a, a a scrum I guess for that final playoff spot uh but either way it looks like they're going to end up drawing probably Seattle so you probably don't really like Washington's chances or whoever sneaks in in the NFC East no right I really think that whoever wins that division loses their first playoff game to Seattle nothing's really changed for me uh in that way Interesting that Carlos Williams did play in this game coming off that two-game absence, four for 41. So it wasn't as though Gillisley was outworking and they kind of split carries and it just happened that Gillisley was a little bit right. more effective. They both ran pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's extremely true. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, if McCoy does miss any time, then you're going to kind of have to decide between those two. Chiefs, 34. Ravens, 14. Eight straight wins for Kansas City all by at least seven points I mean they, they really haven't even been challenged it seems like since they lost five in a row and you look back at that skid started in week two the Jamal Charles fumble right before overtime which allowed Denver to uh, to return it and, and end up winning that game that kind of sent them what looked into a bit of a tailspin there is Andy Reid gonna lose his job all of a sudden eight straight wins this is looking like a playoff team um, several scenarios in which they can clinch next week they can win they can clinch with a win and a Pittsburgh loss or a win and a Jets loss. So basically, you know, they, they kind of control their own destiny at this point. They have the tiebreaker over the Jets. So if they went out, they're in no matter what. Um, but either way, I mean, is this a Chiefs team that, that instills any fear into you if you're, you know, if you're Cincinnati with A.J. McCarron and you're looking at Kansas City in round one, even at home? If I'm Cincinnati with A.J. McCarron, I'm afraid of every other team in the AFC playoffs because I think they're all good enough to get the job done, especially with the, the weaker playoff teams right now like Kansas City, the Jets, and maybe even the Broncos fit in that. They all have pretty good defenses or great defenses, and that especially presents a really difficult matchup for McCarron come playoff time. So Chiefs, to me, as you said, because they control their own destiny, look like they've got the inside track. If I had to guess, I'd say the Jets are the team that are going to be the uh, outside looking in when it's all said and done, but stranger things have certainly happened. Saw a lot of Sharkandrick West in this one, 16 carries, 76 yards. I think Spencer Ware, was he active, but he wasn't really playing. He was just kind of there as an emergency option. Right. Uh, so I don't know if this is necessarily indicative of how the Chiefs are going to carve up the carries going forward. Kapar Aiken had a TD that was basically a Hail Mary before halftime. Yep. Ravens were wearing those gold pants. What purple. was that? I think that was kind of weird. I mean, this I've was, never seen the what? Why? Like the what? I don't know what that was about. Those looked terrible. They looked really bad. They looked like they forgot. Like I, honestly, I looked up when I first saw that game on. I like searched on Twitter. Like, was there? Did they something happen with their uniforms? You know, like if there was a bad pants accident. Right. Like, had that? Did somebody steal their pants? Were they left at home? Something like that. And like, like what was that about? Like, those, they didn't even match at all. They almost looked like the Steelers' pants. Right. A little bit more gold than the Steelers. Just no, colors, no reason but, for that at all. Kansas City. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Weird. Weird uh, game though. Chiefs winning this one pretty easily. Not much that you would be surprised by. I mean, I guess Travis Kelsey's 
continued lack of production is something of a story, but by now, yeah. I think his owners are gradually kind of falling out of the mix for their league championships. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And yeah, just another, just kind of an odd game uh, from from Baltimore. They're, they just kind of pack it in at this point, right? I mean, this is essentially a lost season with all the injuries that they've had. Yeah, they ran Terrence West more than Buck Allen too, so that's oh, yeah. kind of interesting. Oh yeah. Um, let's see, Browns thirteen, Seahawks thirty. Russell Wilson. I mean, th- this is getting out of control, really. I mean, 19 touchdowns and zero picks over his last five games. Three more touchdowns on Sunday, 21-30, 249 yards, 46 rushing yards. I mean, there, there are three receivers in the Seattle offense that have legitimately been week-to-week productive for the last five or six weeks. Jermaine Curse over 100 yards in this one. Tyler Lockett, 55 yards in a touchdown. Doug Baldwin, two more touchdowns. How many touchdowns is that for Baldwin now? over the last five weeks, over the span. Is that Isn't it something ridiculous? It's like 11 in his last five, I think. I think that sounds right. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot, yeah. And Johnny Football on the other side didn't play terribly, but, I mean, it's just, you know, a guy in Johnny Football's situation going up against the Seattle defense on the road. I mean, like, your expectations have to be tempered. 19-32, to 32, 161 yards, a touchdown and a pick. I think you certainly aren't happy with that if you're the Browns, but at the same time, like, a game like that where you only turn it over once, I guess, against a pretty good Seattle defense when you're clearly overmatched on both sides of the ball, it certainly could have been worse, I thought, for Menzel. Easily. I think they scored pretty early in that game, too, they before did. Seattle's defense they scored kind first. of yeah, they, clamped they were down. Zero. Uh, so, I mean, like it's it's a good showing given the circumstances being on the road at Seattle. Another tough spot, really, for Johnny Manziel going on the road to Kansas City in Week 16 and then home against the Steelers in week 17 i have no idea if ownership if the front office is really going to want to keep him around as their starting quarterback i don't even know if the quality of his play actually matters as far as his chances of keeping the job well right first of all you look at it and say the coaches that are currently evaluating him mike Pettin and his staff are they going to be around because right. if they aren't then it doesn't really matter right i mean he could he could have gone you know unless he does something ridiculous and you know went put up Russell Wilson numbers over these last four games, then it would be hard to deny whatever coaching staff comes in. But, you know, assuming Mike Pettin's gone, which I think a lot of people assume will be the case, then you're kind of starting over no matter what. And, and Manziel's then basically auditioning for a new coaching staff. And, and you're starting with somewhat of a clean slate. And a guy with, with Johnny Menzel's profile and, and everything that's gone on with him, maybe his slate doesn't quite get as clean as some guys. You know, I mean, you can only get so clean when, you, when you're a guy in, in his position. But... At the same time, like you said, I have to agree with you. I don't know that it ultimately matters that much what happens unless he just completely plays out of his mind, which hasn't really happened so far. Yeah, it's been okay, but not great. I I think he still gives them the best chance to win even going into next season because there's not a quarterback in the draft and not not any quarterbacks we expect to be available that you'd look at as a major long-term upgrade for the Browns. So I think they're probably stuck with him. It's going to be with a new coaching staff, which maybe makes him interesting. Right, and I think you could, if you look, if you're talking about being stuck with him, which is kind of the right term right now, especially with that organization's feeling, it could be worse, right? I mean, you, you could be stuck with a guy like TJ Yates or Ryan Mallett or Matt Schaub. Like, at least Manziel, regardless of the publicity and all that's happened off the field, at least he remains, like, somewhat of an untapped talent. Like, you really, you're not really quite sure what you have in this guy yet, so... I think if you're talking about, and it's certainly not a good quarterback situation to have going into the offseason, but 
I would rather chance it with Manziel, even if it's for half a season next year where you give him a shot. I mean, this team isn't going to be in Super Bowl contention regardless. I would rather chance it with Manziel than a, a lower-tier guy like a Ryan Mount, like a Matt Schaub, guys that are kind of retreads, and at this point they've had enough exposure that we just kind of know what they're about. Exactly, and I think the wild card for them, of course, is Josh Gordon. If they get Josh Gordon back, that really is a huge boost to the offense as a whole, regardless of whether it's Manziel or somebody else, a quarterback. Right, kind of a guy that... You know, a forgotten name at this point, Josh Gordon. I mean, it's certainly possible that he could be back. Uh, speaking of Josh Gordon, Justin Blackman, a guy who's kind of in his category as far as being a receiver with immense talent and off-the-field issues, another DUI uh, this morning, uh, early Monday morning. So I, I think it's safe to say the Jags will maybe finally pull the trigger and actually cut Justin Blackman. Uh, he still remains on some sort of suspension list, I think, in their, in their roster, but I think this might be the final straw. Yeah, that probably will do it. I, I guess the Jags will eventually have to give up his rights, and we'll see if some other team wants to try and stash him away. But it just seems like his career as a football player is over because he needs so much help off the field right now with his substance abuse. Right, and I, I did read a report uh, a couple months ago, I remember, but you know, every now and then as, as a Jags fan, I do, do some research, see what he's up to, and he was seen playing uh, slow-pitch softball back in Tulsa. So... I think the report was like, in an attempt to get back in football shape. Come on. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. Well, um, so yeah, I mean, clearly a guy who, who has some, some serious issues off the field. So probably won't see him on an NFL field maybe ever again, certainly not anytime soon. But you know, at the very least, hopefully he gets some help for those off the field issues. Um, Seattle, looking at their, at their playoff prospects, they clinched a wild card spot with this win. Still not settled in as that five seed. They have the same record as Minnesota. They have the head-to-head advantage over Minnesota, but they could still technically switch spots. Um, and again, like we said, you definitely want to be the five seed here and avoid traveling to Green Bay in round one. Oh, most definitely. I can't believe Minnesota is still in the mix to actually move up. That's, that's the most surprising thing about that to me. Yeah, absolutely. Packers 30, Raiders 20. Uh, two quick INTs in this game. Very, very quick interceptions from Derek Carr that allowed Green Bay to, to kind of build a quick 14-0 lead. Um, they were able to punch in the first one uh, pretty pretty easily. And then the second interception return, I forget who was – do you remember who had the second pick? Randall. Randall brought it back to, what, the, the two-yard line, and you know, Green Bay able to punch that one in as well. So they go up 14 to nothing. This was never a game that felt like it was in much doubt, even when Amari uh, Cooper went in. Uh, to get to give Oakland a brief lead you know I think watching from the Packers perspective you kind of felt they were going to have enough but this is another one of those wins that Green Bay was up 30 to 20 you know for the greater part of you know the fourth quarter of this game but not exactly the most convincing exclamation point uh, to finish this game you know Rodgers throws a a pretty careless pick when all you have to do is basically run out the clock um, and then they have a field goal blocked and they just kind of kept giving Oakland chances to at least have an opportunity to score and get an onside kick and see if something crazy can happen and I thought the Packers defense did a great job of just kind of stuffing Oakland over and over even though the offense kept giving them these these kind of Hail Mary type of chances yeah a lot of drives that should have ended with more points or just points in, yep. in general I mean Rodgers had a pretty bad pick in the end zone kind that was of uncharacteristic really and it seemed like he was mad at Jeff Janis too it's like he threw the ball into double coverage short of where he wanted Janis to even go which didn't make any sense but I get the feeling that Janice, it, the little bit of extra opportunity he saw this week, that was a one-week thing. Like, I, so? just, I hope it's not, but I feel like it is. He had the one drop uh, inside the red zone. Ball was kind of over his head. It went right through his hands. So with that, those two mistakes, at least, plus some other stuff they might find on film, I just have some doubts about 
his opportunities in Week 16 and beyond. I mean, Ty Montgomery had a setback this week, so he might not be back. Maybe we see more Jared Aberderis, but this offense still doesn't look right. And the only thing that's really different about the play calling, John Kuhn handles the ball a lot more, and Randall Cobb in the last two games has been used a lot more out of the backfield as a runner, which seems stupid when you think about the fact this guy had a shoulder injury earlier this season. When he's coming through the hole as a runner, he's going to get hit hard by a linebacker. He's going to get hit by those guys in the middle of the field in space sometimes, but it's a lot different on a run play than it is out in space 15, 20 yards away from the line of scrimmage. Right, right, absolutely. And I, it was I don't know, it was just not the convincing kind of statement, nail in the coffin type of win you wanted to see from Green Bay. And we really haven't seen that all year, I mean, at least not since the first few weeks of the season. But, I mean, at, at this point, I, as a Packers fan and somebody who's followed that team more closely than I have are you just kind of happy to get a win in a game like this because I mean Oakland has fallen off a bit but this isn't the Raiders team of the last 10 years right Oakland's not bad winning on the road in the NFL is still hard doesn't matter who you're playing it's it's still challenging to go on the road and get a win so to not play well and come out with a good result always something encouraging I think from a fan standpoint but from a fantasy perspective if you're still hanging on, if you're going to a championship and Aaron Rodgers is one of your quarterbacks, you probably got there because you added another quarterback at some point this season. Week 16 is going to be yet another difficult decision to make. Yep, yep, that's, that's certainly true. Uh, the rushing breakdown in this one, nine carries, 51 yards for Starks. Just, I mean, they tried to get Eddie Lacy going, right? 11 carries, but just 23 yards. Didn't seem like he had that, that kind of burst, I guess, that he showed two weeks ago, and, and it just... He was just getting taken down by the type of tackles that Eddie Lacy usually kind of just runs right through, spins right through, barrels right through, and just didn't kind of seem to have that extra edge. Field conditions were pretty awful they in were. this game for everybody, so I think that also stunted the offensive production on both teams. I think Guys it were did. just falling down like crazy. Right. I, th- I thought the, the Packers receivers handled it all right. There were a few drops here and there, but I think when it mattered, when they, you know, when they, after they went down uh, following the Cooper touchdown, I thought James Jones made a quite a few decent grabs uh, tough grabs Jared Aberderis had a really nice one over the middle took a big hit uh, for a first down so I mean considering the conditions and considering the just the the way that these this receiving core has played for a lot of the season I thought it could have been worse but they still struggle to get Devontae Adams going whatsoever oh he seems like he's become almost an afterthought in the game plan also in the no one really cares about this part of the show I have Aaron Rodgers in the stake league playing against our colleague Mike Doria in semifinals. The James Jones TD catch that was called uh, offensive pass interference, taking those four points off the board for me, that might end up making the difference. He's got one IDP player left to go tonight. I don't have anybody left. It comes down to Kenny Vaccaro. That's what's going to decide this. Kenny Vaccaro deciding a lot of leagues this year. Yeah, tons of leagues. If uh, he has eight or fewer tackles, I win nine or more that goes to Doria. I think if he gets a pick, he only needs four tackles because I think a pick's worth five. So, yeah, really kind of nervous about that because I think Vicaro's going to come in right right between the eight to ten tackle range. So I'm going to (laughs) be sweating that one out. If if he picks a ball off in the first quarter, I can pretty much just shut off the game and go make some more cookies. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you stand on the the strategy of pulling like a player? um, Pulling a like for example, last night I was up uh, in a. A semifinal match, so pre-fantasy Super Bowl, you know, high stakes, whatever. Not not a lot of money on the line or anything, but still want to win. And I, I think I was up like 123.3 to like 120. So you know, like a two or three point lead, and all I had left, you know, the other guy was completely done. So I'm in the lead. All I had left is Cat and Zero going for Arizona, and I just I just pulled him. Like you never know. Like maybe he, he just has a weird night and misses like five kicks and loses me the game. Like 
Is that considered like bush league, or are you supposed to kind of let it play out? I think you can do that. I mean, if if you have the game won, like why why play anybody? That that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I thought. I, I didn't I didn't get any you know any like reaction from anybody in the league or anything. I, I just I just didn't know if that was something that people would look down upon. I don't I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, nothing, nothing at all. The game I wanted to watch the most was a game that ran during the Packer game, so I barely got to watch any of it. It was the Steelers-Broncos. Steelers coming away at 34-27 with the win. Uh, but what about this really stood out? I mean, Brock Osweiler played well, 296 yards, three TDs and a pick. He was 21-44. of 44. Emmanuel Sanders went off, 10 catches, 181 and a score. Demarius Thomas, 5 for 61, two TDs. Bad drop from Demarius and from Vernon Davis for the Again. second straight week in the second half. I mean, Roethlisberger started slow, but pretty much had a typical Roethlisberger game by the time it was all said and done. Antonio Brown went crazy. 16 for 189. Two touchdowns. Martavis Bryant, 10 for 87. Marcus Wheaton scored. The running backs on both sides were pretty quiet. Uh, I think D'Angelo Williams had a receiving TD, though, that ultimately gave him a good day. Or maybe it was a short rushing TD, but nevertheless, it wasn't much in terms of yardage, but it was good enough for most leagues if you were starting him as one of your two running backs we'll start with antonio brown 16 catches 189 yards and two touchdowns sixth player ever in league history to have a 15 reception 180 yard two touchdown game the other five steve largent brandon marshall andre reed uh wes welker and the great jimmy smith who mm. did it for the jacksonville jaguars so he's 27 receptions away from tying the single season mark that's marvin harrison 143 Julio Jones is only 25 away, so I mean you're you're still asking for double digit catches over the next two weeks, which is a ton to ask. But doable though, right? So Brown, who's 27 away, and and Jones is 25 away. Which of those two guys you think would be more likely to really give that record a challenge? I think it's still Brown because the extreme volume has been there more often than it has been with Jones, and I mean I think both have a, a decent chance. And by decent, I mean like five to ten percent chance, probably at most, but. Mm-hmm. That's a better chance than most guys have of breaking that record in the final two games. And both are in offenses that sling it enough to where it's not that far-fetched. No, not at all. And, you know, I think the – it's kind of funny to look at, like, the single-season reception leaders. Antonio Brown is second all-time. Last year he set the mark for, for second most, and that was 129. So he's probably going to break his own second-place record this year. But, I mean, Marvin Harrison's a still a, a full 14 catches ahead of that. So, I mean, that just kind of speaks to how ridiculous of a year he had back in '02. 2 would have been a good year for Marvin Harrison owners in a full point PPR league, I think. I think so. Did PPR leagues exist in 2002? Yeah, those, I think those still existed back then. <laughs> um, all right, so looking at Pittsburgh next week, they can clinch a playoff, or excuse me, uh, Denver. They can clinch a playoff berth with a win. They can clinch the AFC West with a win and a Kansas City loss. So Denver still doesn't necessarily have anything locked up. But I think it would take a major, major collapse and some help from Kansas City for them to fall out of the picture. Yeah, they should be fine. I mean, it's still a team that's good, if only because of the defense. Osweiler looked a lot better this week. I think that's a really encouraging sign if you're a Broncos fan because he didn't look great in the win over New England, didn't look good at all last week against Oakland. I mean, the offensive line was getting worked. That's one of the things that really surprised me, by the way, after seeing what Khalil Mack did to Denver I thought he would do the same thing to Green Bay, especially just working the right side of that line. They actually kept Cleo Mack pretty quiet. Had that sack early, otherwise he wasn't that much of a factor. No, not at all. Like you said, yeah, that sack early in the game, and it looked like it might be another, you know, here we go again. Cleo Mack's going to just kind of terrorize what's been a pretty shaky Green Bay offensive line. And no, I thought they did a good job. Uh, Bakhtiari left this game 
for a little bit, and you know Green Bay had to scramble. I think for the most part they did a, a nice job. Dolphins fourteen, Chargers thirty. I mean, what do you do? We have anything to say about this other than Danny Woodhead just going off, Eric Weddle just laying in the middle of the field after the game, uh, and what was maybe? Did you see that picture? No, <laughs> he was just kind of like sprawled out at midfield. You know, last game possibly in San Diego, I assume, just kind of taking it all in. He spent his whole career there he so did. far, right? So I guess that that's probably yeah a big part of it for him um i mean philip rivers has too so i'm surprised philip rivers wasn't laying there with them Antonio making Gates. a turf angel yeah, but those guys uh, didn't seem to be all that thrilled with the whole thing anyway you look at this game and it's just like lamar miller got benched at one point which coming off a game monday night against the giants when he was tearing it up in the first half i thought against san diego he'd have his best game of the season in week 15 he was among the many players who let me down did he have his best game of the season he did not. Huh. I'm not, I'm not saying I thought he would wasn't going to, but yeah, I mean, it was just an odd. That's like one of those games that just seems like, oh, you know, Lamar Miller, like not a guy you can feel great about every week, but if you can feel good about him, I mean, this is the week to do it, right? Yeah. So he, along with uh, a few other guys, I mean, AJ Green, who we're going to talk about shortly, and uh, AJ McCarron, a bunch of guys I was plugging in Stopa League, all just had horrible weeks. I got, I'm, I'm getting blown out. I'm down like a hundred points. I've got Tim Hightower left, so. If Tim Hightower has the greatest blown game out then. ever, the greatest game ever in the history of the NFL. By like a ton. By a wide margin. If that happens, then maybe I'll have a chance tonight. But I, I, like I think the undisputed best game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we to, for me to win in that league, I would need 281 yards on the ground and 12 touchdowns from Tim Hightower. It's not I, ridiculous I I mean, at all. It's never happened, but it, it's the first time for everything, right? If he caught 20 passes, that would help. And that would like chip away at the number of TDs he needed. But it's what a horrible week for me in the Stopa League. So disappointing. Andy Barons, who I'm going to lose to, has a great team. I mean, even in a good week, he outscores my team most weeks because he's probably got the best team overall. But he won the regular season, might win the playoffs. It gives him, that gives him the entire 10K if that happens, too, which is a Whoa. great season. He won 10K? the league last year, too. Yeah, 10K. Jeez, what kind of leagues are you playing in, man? I'm not playing in any 10K leagues. Stopa Law Firm League, man. Hmm. What is the buy-in for that? Zero. What? Yeah. Who's putting up the cash? Stopa. <laughs> so it's like sponsored by... Yeah, it's it's sponsored by the law firm. Oh. Huh, well, i got to get in on that. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> that is. That sounds like an ideal uh, setup for you guys. Yep. Stayinmyhome.com. Um, yeah. Check it out. Bengals 24 49ers 14. AJ McCarron did a good job of managing this game. This was a 49ers team that I think is a little feisty. I don't know if that's the right word to describe them under Blaine Gabbert, but they're not the they're not a team that just exactly rolls over like they were from you know weeks two through nine or whatever when when Kaepernick was kind of hitting rock bottom. But I thought McCarron did about exactly what they needed him to do in this one. 15 to 21, 192 yards, touchdown. Didn't get A.J. Green involved, maybe as much as a lot of fantasy owners had hoped. Just one catch for 37 yards. Tyler Croft got into the end zone. I'm sure you were rostering him on all of your teams. Blaine Gabbert, 50 pass attempts, 30 completions, 295 yards, a touchdown, but did have three picks. Are the, the cries to give Blaine Gabbert the keys to this franchise to start next season maybe getting a little bit quieter? Those are probably over at this point. Uh, I think he's going to be viewed as a backup again going into 2016, which is Probably appropriate, but I'd, I'm curious to see what teams like San Francisco want to do at that position. Who they actually like in this draft class or of the available veterans who's actually going to draw 
the most interest because they're certainly on the list of teams that will be going after help at the position this offseason. I guess that hinges on what happens with Colin Kaepernick, too. I assume he's going to be a cut, but the salary cap ramifications of that should be pretty significant given the size of the deal that he signed just a few uh, a little more than a few months ago, but not that long ago, less than two years ago, he signed a huge deal to stay in San Francisco. The Bengals didn't run it that well in this game. That was a really big surprise to me because San Francisco has been horrible against the run in recent weeks. I mean, Isaiah Crowell tore them up in week 14, but Gio Bernard, 14 carries, 33 yards. Jeremy Hill, 19 carries for 31 yards. Hill scored twice, so he actually had a good day if you used him. Long run of nine yards against what I think is the worst run defense in the league this season. Yeah, that was a little disappointing. I think a game where you know, Cincinnati's in the situation, at least I should say, where the passing attacks is not going to be there. It's not going to be to the level that it was through these first 13, 14 weeks of the year when Tyler Eifert and A.J. Green and, and even a guy like Marvin Jones were pretty viable targets in a lot of leagues. And with A.J. McCarron now under center, you thought that maybe the balance would shift a little bit more toward these running backs who have been very productive alongside the passing game. And you know, looking at, looking at how things were going to shake out roster-wise, you thought you know, maybe should be more carries, should be more opportunities for each of these guys. And you know, once again, we saw that kind of same split. As, as we have been seeing through these last few weeks, but the productivity just wasn't there. I mean, do you, you got to give credit to the, the San Francisco run defense? I guess so. I mean, they, they had a game plan that worked. Maybe they just said, hey, you know what? We're going to force A.J. McCarron to beat us through the air, and he right. did, but he didn't light him up either, 15-21. and 21 Well, yeah, and it's not like they didn't okay. try to get him involved. I mean, they had 33 carries between the two of them. Right. And just, I mean, it didn't amount to much. It amounted to 64 yards. So, yeah, I guess give San Francisco some credit for playing a lot better in this one than they did against Cleveland okay the final game the sunday night game wow cardinals 40 eagles 17 the philadelphia eagles Derek, are who we thought they were i think are Are they they? well who did you think they were (laughs) i thought they might be good again i thought they'd be good going into the year and then when they were really bad against the lions i thought they were dead and then they won that game against new england so i thought okay maybe chips got them going again and wow i mean this is this is something the other reason I might lose to Doria is because I had to use DeMarco Murray in that league. It's a 16-team league. Mm. Plugged him in. Did he have a good day? Uh, no. <laughs> two, he had two carries for three yards. What is going to happen with DeMarco Murray? He is going to go back to Dallas. You think so? Yep. <sighs> he's going to get cut, and he's going to go right back to Dallas. I think so, too. I think that seems like the most logical uh, landing spot, right? I mean, it's it's the only place that he's like had proven success, and he's still a relatively young guy, but... Like if you're another team, obviously Philadelphia runs like somewhat of an unorthodox system, but if you're another team, like what about DeMarco Murray's season says like, oh, this guy could be really productive for us? Yeah, I, I don't see enough reason to like get excited about him right now if you're another team, but he fits so well in Dallas that it just seems so logical. Right, exactly. I think that they certainly miss him. I think he misses Dallas, and it, it just kind of seems like the natural move. So yeah, we'll see what they do at at running back and. You know, they might have to make a move at quarterback, too, with, with Tony Romo's age. I don't think they're quite ready to move on from him right now, but you've got to start thinking of long-term backup plans at some point. I want the Browns to find a way to trade Manziel to Dallas in, in some yes. kind of deal that nets them Tony Romo, because I think that's the only way they could fix their quarterback situation. And then Dallas with Johnny would be oh, I want him a train so wreck. Like I would love watching that, that train be, wreck every week. That would Yeah, that would be a train wreck that I'm like willing and like very into watching like rg3 in in washington has just kind of been like a sad train wreck yeah and this would this would be like a 
you know, it would be a fun train wreck. It would probably still end up being sad in the end, but it would it, week to week. How much fun would that be? No, I mean that'd be that'd be amazing to watch Dallas next year with Johnny Manziel. I know it's not going to happen. They're not going to trade Romo. Maybe just... they'll trade Manziel to Washington straight up for RG three. That would be. <laughs> is, isn't isn't RG three finally a free agent at the end of the year? Is he? I don't know. I, I think I think his contract actually is up. His rookie deal. I love so. it. There's there's articles coming out yesterday like interest is high in RG three. Like is there? Why? I don't know. What, is he, what, what would be the reason for that? I, that's what I, I don't know. Because like, he, I guess he hasn't hurt his value over the last year, but he certainly hasn't helped it. Texans, Eagles, Cowboys, all allegedly interested. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I could see him. Suspects. I could see him fitting pretty well in Philly. Sam Bradford played okay in this one. Twenty-eight of forty-one, three sixty-one, two TDs, but two picks. Jordan Matthews went off eight for one fifty-nine on a score. David Johnson, over 200 yards from scrimmage, 29 carries, 187 of those yards on the ground, three TDs. This guy looks legit. I mean, I, some of the runs that he was reeling off in this game, one of one of his long touchdown runs just, I mean, it was arguably the run of the year. We haven't had like a, what was it, 2011 beast mode type of run, you know, when anybody's done anything like that, but it was probably <laughs> that run. I mean, it was, it was like a very, very diet version of that where he just, just kept breaking tackles and kept stiff arming guys and all of a sudden he's in the end zone and... Maybe it said more about the poor tackling on the Eagles' end, but I mean, this guy's for real. Yeah, I really want to see him get this opportunity for all of next season, but given how long it took them to give him this many touches and how many injuries it took with Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington going down, I don't know if it's actually a lock. Like It should be, but maybe it's not. No, and... It's it's odd because they've they've really been fine with who's ever in there. You know they they found success uh, with Chris Johnson. They've found suggest, success when they use Andre Ellington in certain packages. Obviously they've been fine with Johnson. So like, there's no like great incentive to keep giving him the ball just because of how productive the other guys have been. But at the same time, like I mean he's young. It just seems kind of you know it seems like the natural move. At least he's not going to fall out of the rotation or anything like that by any means. But you know, if if you're looking over the next couple of weeks, the or even next season, you know, it, is it going to be his job or is it going to be another kind of committee situation? I, I mean, I hope it's his job, but I, I could see it being some kind of committee. He was a top seven running back on Jeff's value meter for this week. Could be a top five guy going into week sixteen. Yeah, I, I think he could certainly. Cardinals clinch the division. They could still be caught by Green Bay, though technically uh, for that number two seed and of course a first round bye. Cardinals next two, they're home to Green Bay and then they're home to Seattle. So certainly not a cakewalk over the last two weeks of the season. Green Bay is at Arizona, like we just said, and then they're home to Minnesota. So Green Bay wins out, Arizona loses out. Green Bay becomes the two seed, correct? Yeah, that'd be pretty that's, awesome. That's how math works. Yeah, that, it, so I mean, that's entirely possible. Could definitely happen, and if it did, it would put Minnesota in Arizona for that first round, right? It'd still be Seattle at that five going into the four to play the East. And then in the second round of the playoffs, depending on what happens, the Packers could simply host Arizona instead of having to go there. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of what you're jockeying for at this point is more of like, you know, looking ahead, who hosts where. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, Seattle, you got to wonder like what their motivation is in week 17. They already have their wild card spot locked up, but – if Minnesota wins next week and they're still tied, then there's the possibility that Minnesota could beat Green Bay in Week 17 and jump Seattle for the five spot. We'll see what happens. It's, it's going to be fun, right? It's going to be really fun. But, yeah, I mean, either way, we, we, we basically know what teams are going to be involved unless something crazy happens with the Falcons. So just a matter of deciding where those seeds fall. Um, looking at the quarterbacks in this one real quick, Carson Palmer had a nice game, 274 yards and a touchdown. 
Victim of a couple drops, though. John Brown dropped two really nice thrown deep balls from Carson Palmer, one of them a little more difficult than the other, but still uh, robbed of certainly a touchdown opportunity and you know probably 50 or 60 more yards. Sam Bradford, 361 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Jordan Matthews looked really, really good in this game. One of those few games this season where he's looked like a legitimate number one guy. He had 159 yards and a touchdown on eight catches. Last thing, Darren Sproles was supposed to be the featured back this week. Six carries, eight yards. Yeah, I'm not really a Chip Kelly apologist anymore. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I just I don't I don't know what he's doing with his running backs. That doesn't make any sense. No, no, that one. It, the breakdown has just been inconsistent. It hasn't seemed to match up, you know, with the kind of system they're trying to run, the kind of personnel they put out there. It's it's been an odd, an odd year for them as a team, and a very frustrating year if you're owning any of those Philadelphia running backs. Oh, it's been hell in the stake league having demarco murray it's been I the worst experience imagine. possible other than maybe lamar miller no actually lamar miller was better at times this year so oh yeah that was that was more that was miller. more fun at, at a few points whereas there was really no point this season where owning demarco murray was actually fun all right anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up any pre-christmas topics uh no i think i think we're good I think we're good as well. Uh, so thanks, as always, for listening to the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, we're brought to you by DraftKings.com. They're the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit. That'll get you a free contest entry today. 